Oh, Bethany, thank you so much for coming and helping us out with this podcast. It means the world to us. Uh, can we just start this podcast? Yeah, give me about five minutes. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. This is Home Viewing, a podcast where we watch every film in our library in alphabetical order. This week we watched... Two Ponies and a Funeral. Death at a Funeral. Death at a Funeral. Which, like Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is what I guess Bethany was trying to reference. Um, Reference. (laughs) what bethany was trying to reference um it is an ensemble british comedy and yay yay it is fun it was fun it's so much fun directed by an american director though i'm pretty sure frank oz is american something fozzie bear is american at least frank oz known for being one of the original muppeteers and jim henson's crew and of course yoda Do or do not? There is no try. Oh, God. Oh. Uh. Last night we watched um, The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley, which is qu- quite a documentary. But I did point out, Bethany was like, yeah, we've heard this story before. It's just rich people getting away with things and not having anything to back it up because they're rich. So I, it, and it made me realize it's essentially just the Firefest doc- documentary, but for medical technology. Mm. It's like the new popular documentary, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. What is it? Sorry, I'm just looking at everything that Frank Oz directed. We could do a miniseries about him, honestly. I mean, he fir- the first thing he directed was The Dark Crystal, which... <gasps> what? Well, it's not surprising, because it was Jim Henson. It was like the Muppet crew. Uh, he directed The Muppets Take Manhattan... Little Shop of Horrors. I'm very tempted to buy Labyrinth to make us all watch. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. What? Yeah, he, he directed. He directed Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. What? And of course, he directed Muppet Vision 3D. Uh, of course. Muppet Vision 3D is, is incredible. Excellent. I love it. Oh, House Sitter, Indian in the Cupboard. Indian in the Cupboard. Did you do you do you remember that one? Oh, I remember Indian in the Cupboard. Oh my god, I loved that one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's. He works. He works. All our younger friends might not know what that is. I I don't care. Oh. Should I explain the He was the corrections officer in the Blues Brothers? (laughs) God, Frank Oz, man. He's still alive. Yeah, he's still alive. He has a very active Twitter presence right now. Yeah. (laughs) He's a very active Twitter presence. He does have a very active Twitter presence. Oh, my goodness. He's, he's good. I like him a lot. Yeah, he worked on... He was working as Burt Grover and, and Cookie Monster. Well, yeah, as Yoda. So he still does, like, all the Yoda stuff? Yeah, absolutely. That was him in The Last Jedi as uh, well. Doing, like, both the puppet work and the voice work. That's so... The puppet work? Well, he does the puppet, too? Well, yeah. Frank Oz is a puppeteer and a voice... And an actor. Like, he was in the original troupe. A land. A man. A legend. 
God. A land. <laughs> well, it just That's a man legend. makes sense how this movie is just so jam-packed with jokes, though, when you think about the kind of work that he's done in the past. Because he, he is a man who makes movies and does characters that are jam-packed with jokes. Like, there's this, at, in the end credits, when they're uh, introducing the cast in order of appearance, it's clips of them all breaking at the end of takes, and you can hear him in the background, and I swear to God, it's like F- Fozzie Bear yelling, cut. <laughs> Waka Waka. Nothing? Nothing for Fozzie? Of course the bear likes salmon. Oh my god. Do you remember Do you remember the Muppet show that was on ABC? That was something. You loved it. I think I know where they went wrong. Where they, they went way too adult with it. Uh, I think they went an okay amount of adult. I think they committed a little too hard to the mockumentary format. I think that took up took out some I of think, the fun of what makes. No, but when I say picks. adult, I mean like when she was dating. When he, w- like, when when she was dating Fosse. That was when, too when much. Fosse was dating a human it was woman. Too much. I, it I did love not work. The, the meeting the parents part though. Yeah, it was funny. That, but... It was hilarious. I mean, they 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 were like, hmm, let's put the Muppets in a sitcom environment, and it was very funny. Okay, so Death at a Funeral comes out two thousand seven. If I remember correctly, which is two oh my years. Oh God, that's forever ago. Two years after uh, Matthew McFadyen's like big statement piece, Pride and Prejudice. Statement piece. Well, that's that's what introduced him to a lot of American audiences, at least. You know, he was working on BBC before that. Since then, uh, he has worked as well. I mean, yeah. Did you know everyone born in England actually is contracted to BBC from birth? Mm-hmm. They don't have a huge talent pool, so. Like well, I mean, he was uh, he was the lead on that show Spooks, uh, which was released as MI Five on in America. Um, who I've never heard of. This. Yeah, um, he was. Well, I mean, uh, notably, he was in uh, the uh, Anna Karenina, the Joe Wright Anna Karenina. I don't know. He played Stepan Stepanovich. He played Steppenwolf. What? He no, he played the uh, Prince Steva, the the guy who the. Uh, Anna Karenina's older brother, like the guy who's cheating yes. on his wife at the beginning, that Domino uh. Gleason like, but Domino Gleason like goes and visits him, and he's like friends with him. Oh, he's friends with him. Yeah, well, it's a yeah. Listen, <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about Anna Karenina, not just because I've read the book, but also because that movie is really good. It's slept on. That movie is absolutely slept on. The movie is. The book is slept on too. Yeah, people use it as a pillow quite often. Uh, I love that book. Leave me alone. Um, How many thousands of pages is it? I don't think it even hits a thousand. I think it's like 900 pages. Okay, so you've got Keely Hawes, who is uh, Matthew McFadden's actual husband. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Actual wife. Matthew McFadden's actual wife, I mean. Uh, you've got Jane Asher, who dated Paul McCartney in the 60s. And is also, you know, a great actress in her own right. He actually went with the Beatles on their, like, transcendental meditation, like, retreat in India. Well, like you said, the BBC basically owns the soul of everyone. This isn't produced by the BBC, so I don't know why we're putting it like that, but... They own England. The British film establishment is very, very insular, I guess you could say. Now, I don't think anyone who was in this movie was in, like, Harry Potter series, but... The Harry Potter series I use as an example, of course, because it feels like everyone who was in Harry Potter was in Doctor Who. You know? 
Even the guy who plays the... What's the one? David, the, the writer? No, the crazy guy. What, well, the one who the, who's, like, fiancé, like, slips him what she thinks is Oh, going. well, Alan Tudyk. He's not British. But he looks like Arthur Darville, who is also not in Harry I don't, Potter. But... Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like the best example from here is probably James Nyman, who was, like, who played Howard, the, uh, the, the best friend who's, like, uh, who uh, brings in Uncle Alfie. Hmm. who is like all over Brit- British comedy and then of course Rupert Graves who plays the uh, novelist brother is Les- is a uh, Lestrade Lestrade in um, Sherlock hmm. yes so yeah if you've seen any British thing made in like the last 10 years you've probably seen someone who was in this movie mm-hmm. what worked Tight? 90. Oh my god. <laughs> why, why did tight 90 work so well? It's the amount of time that my attention span is. It's the perfect length for a movie, according to you? Yes. And according to a lot of people, honestly. Like, Game Night was a tight 90. Like, it's a good comedy length, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially for... In, for some of these premises that they make, you know? For the premise of this, like, it felt like how long an afternoon funeral service would be, mm-hmm. you know? This is a good concept, too. Because, like, like pu- funerals are weird, where, like, everyone just, like, comes together and becomes this weird hodgepodge of people you haven't seen in a while, and people you probably don't even really like, but you have to get together because of this one thing. Well, it's interesting to know, like, the motivation of the different people who are coming to the funeral, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Like, you had, like, the, the guy's childhood friends... But then I feel like the best example was uh, the guy who was there just so that, just because he knew Martha would be there and because he had a one night stand and was in love with her. And he was making fun of Alan Tudyk the whole time. <laughs> Alan Tudyk, oh, he is very good in this mm-hmm. as well as Simon. He, uh, he, deep nerd roots right there. Uh, he played Wash on Firefly, the pilot. And, you know, a lot of people cool. really like him for that. Firefly. I'm going to say the controversial opinion from nerddom right here. I think Firefly should have been canceled. And I don't need to see it come back. Nathan Fillion's going to take a hit out on me now, I think. I think everyone's forgotten about Firefly at this point. Oh, (laughs) go to Dragon Con sometime. I mean, like, you know, normal amounts of nerd. Normal amounts of nerd, that's fair. Like, the most interesting part was, like, that Joss Whedon took that kind of Western aesthetic and threw it into sci-fi. And guess what? That's been done better now. It just... People understand genre blending now better than Joss Whedon does. Cool. What else worked? Um... Well, like I was talking about, the jokes per minute were pretty great. What'd you clock it at? I, 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 okay, fine. Jokes per minute may be an exaggeration, but there's this thing that he does that Frank Oz did with this movie, like, where he directed it so well that the jokes really all built together. 
and there were recurring things going and that's a credit to the screenwriter as well like the recurring bit with the priest that we referenced Mm -hmm. in the intro like oh so funny you know i've only i'm only really meant to be here until three so can we please get started and every every single time the response is five more minutes or like keely dawes talking to matthew mcfadian have you called about the flat yet um uh just hey martha (laughs) that that always got the biggest laughs for me because i just loved him being like doing his hair, setting himself up so he would be exactly in her path and she just ignores him completely every time like it's it really is a farce when you get down to it because there's you know a lot of closed doors and locking and just general shenanigans happening Mm -hmm. the entire time and like contained within that beautiful house which was a really good setting for comedy i think Uh, i mean it really was very green there Mm -hmm. very very green god simon simon worked for me the si- the Simon plotline. Is there a dog in here? It was a little outrageous, but like, can you imagine having to expecting do a- all of those lines? Just like every <laughs> everything you do is just like off the wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why he's sought out for voice work. I feel like a lot of the time, especially by Disney. <coughs> well, these Disney Animation really? considers him their good luck charm. What is he doing? <laughs> What is he doing? Disney animation? Uh-huh. Well, they don't make a movie without him anymore. He uh, what? Well, what movies has he been in? He was in Zootopia. Um, he was in Frozen. He was in Frozen? Yeah, he played the Duke of Wesselton. I don't know him. The villain? Other than Hans? There's another villain? Yeah, the corrupt, the corrupt British guy who was trying to open up trade and did the chicken dance out on the floor. Mm. Like, little, little ratty dude. Oh, I remember that. Do you know Frozen better than I do? I know Frozen I better than you do. It's not surprising. Yeah. Um, let's see. He he also played a literal weasel in um, Zootopia. He played Hey Hey in Moana. No. He did all the chicken noises. What? There's this really good clip of him doing chicken noises and then saying, I went to Juilliard for this. Oh my God. <laughs> That's unreal. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that's all a real human man. Yeah, um, also he was K2SO in Rogue One. The droid. We are rescuing you now. Do you remember him? Uh, yes. <laughs> Bethany took a test today. <laughs> are you on brain drain right now? Yeah, my brain's tired from learning about the brain. Oh my god. How many arteries are in the brain? You don't want to know. How many veins are in the brain? That's a much easier question because really we just have a bunch of sinuses, which are also veins. They just kind of drain down together to the confluence of sinuses. Now, could you take a single drop of capillary blood? Dear God. And from there. No, I want to smash all her nanotainers. Throw them in the biohazard. Mm. Do not, do not, well, actually, no. I, I highly recommend this. If you want some entertainment, Watch that documentary with a lab tech. <laughs> they will get very angry. <laughs> That's right, Thini. That was Archie. Archie. That was a, that was an yeah. Archie growl. Really? That was definitely an Archie growl. Yeah. 
I know our dogs growls better. Congrats. <laughs> um, I got a big what didn't work for for me, but judging by how you were laughing at mm-hmm. it, I know that it did work for you. What? The uh, Uncle Alfie bathroom scene. Oh, gross. You were cracking up when he had it in his head. He's just really funny. Yeah. Like, I don't like I don't like poop jokes, but, like, the way he executed it was incredible. Yeah. His screaming. Absolutely. It's touch and go. <laughs> Uncle Alfie and... Jo- oh, when they're picking up Uncle Alfie, there was that one shot that you mentioned where they pull up into the... Into the uh, elder estate. Oh my god! And, and there's you, old people in the front of the car driving, driving on their scooters in formation in front of the car. That is the best shot in that entire movie. <laughs> it's it is it's incredible, fantastic. But like, I think that um, you know what didn't work though? What? No one had any dogs. Like this is a family funeral. There should be a dog. Why would there be a dog? Everyone has dogs. You think everyone has dogs. Everyone has dogs. Not everyone has dogs. Name one. You can't. I, I, I could. No, you can't. I can name several people nope. who don't have dogs. That don't live in apartments. Okay, well, you got well, me there. got you there. That aren't in like a Everyone has situation. dogs. <laughs> okay, but what about... Um, Wouldn't there be like a beautiful little hound that would like live there in the English countryside? You're thinking about rich estates that have hounds for hunting. You said the Jews have hounds. I mean, that is the best part of the pilot of the crown, is when they're hunting and all the hounds are there. That beautiful, boring show. Beautiful. But so boring. So boring. <laughs> I Not will, even Matt Smith can save that show. I will watch it when uh, in the next season, though. Because mm-hmm. of Olivia Coleman. It still may not be that good. I don't know. I think that Olivia Coleman can do anything and make it entertaining. Like, I mean, it's it's funny to me to realize that she's known for like these kind of serious or like larger artistic comedic roles, and then think back, oh, she was the uh, she was the female constable in Hot Fuzz, hmm. you know, <laughs> and she was absolutely hilarious in that. We haven't talked about Peter yet. Peter Dinklage, he worked. He <laughs> really worked. The faces that Peter Dinklage pulls in this movie. And you, like, genuinely buy him as this as this man's, like, jilted lover who mm-hmm. was left out of the will. Like, <laughs> you buy him. You, you buy, like, the blackmail plot. He's like, well, I feel like something is owed to me, you know? And I, <laughs> I think the choice to make him, like, the sole person with an American accent in that, which mm-hmm. it really, really helped that. Because it really anchored him as someone different and anchored anchored you know other than his status <laughs> as, as they put he's four fucking feet tall <laughs> but it just the choice to have him s- stick out in as many ways as possible was really good because you know everyone else had their suits on and he was wearing a leather mm-hmm. a black leather jacket yeah know? he had he had that messy mop top going on he oh was very disheveled but he the was... bible passage in the when they try to do the funeral the first time and they choose the gayest passage in the Gosh, Bible. Gosh, that was so funny. The one where Jonathan and uh, David strip down in a cave. Like, I didn't really, like, the first time I watched it, I definitely didn't pick up on that, really. Or, it, or oh, yeah. I didn't find it as funny, maybe. Well, I think it's more subtle than you expect it yeah. to be. And like, once you, and like, when you don't know what the reveal is going to be when you mm-hmm. first see it, you'll miss it. But then, 
you know, it works just as well as that scene in The Office. Like, where... you kind of just think that this priest is just, like, weird. You're like, okay, maybe he just picked a weird, like... <laughs> but he did say it was David's favorite... Pa- or, or whatever his name was, his favorite passage. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... Edward. Edward, yeah. And then to talk about, you know, spending summers riding bikes with his with his friend. And then... <laughs> uh, I, I... He used to try to convince us all to go skinny dipping. <laughs> the reveal in The Office with, like, all the nudes of men... <laughs> Though my personal favorite was that he had the uh, coffee table book of screen goddesses. <laughs> uh, it's clearly a mid like a mid two thousands level of understanding of homosexuality, which is kind of yeah. We're seeing iffy. that a lot in film. Like, I don't think anyone discovered homosexuality until two thousand fifteen. Is what I'm getting. Well, even like two th- or you know, we just were watching. Not getting it's, films. Well, it's interesting, I guess, because we're so young, and so we haven't seen, like, things evolve the same way. And so, like, we're kind of like, wow, things are so different. But the thing is, even, like, when I first saw that movie back in 2011, I was laughing a lot at that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I still laughed at some of it, because it is quite funny. And, but it's, you know, it plays a lot on the shame that would yeah. be associated with homosexuality. Right. Now, granted, granted, he was having an extramarital affair. You know, the the picture that you never see really is a good gag too, because mm-hmm. they're always they're all like, "Good God!" and then they throw it like <laughs> on the ground. Yeah, which you know, no one wants to see their dad in like right, but it, no, but it's like anyone. a really good gag. Like, oh yeah, and Jane Asher picking it up and then screaming, "You are shagging him, you little bastard!" <laughs> Jane Asher is so funny. This, you loved that running oh. gag that she had with um with the wife. Oh my god, yeah, she was so mean to her. But what was, what did she say about the tea? When it's like tea can do many things, but it can't raise the dead. <laughs> she offered her tea to comfort. Her. I want that like oh, as a print. I'm <laughs> just thinking about Simon with the tantalizer. A what? The, I think that's what they call it. The thing that was on her head. Oh, the feathers? It had the feathers, yeah. <laughs> Looking at it like oh, it was God. live. He, well, he was obsessed with chickens the whole time for some reason. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he pet the um, fake chicken uh, statues? <laughs> he was obsessed with ev- mm-hmm. everything. He was... I, I just think about the scene when he's locked himself in the bathroom and he's pulling on the oh, toilet paper. God. It made me think of the cats. Yeah. It's just like, come on, come on, come Oh, <laughs> Uh, Alan Tudyk's just general voice voice work too just really sold that character as well. Like sold him as like completely out of it. Oh, and the brother was the guy from Love Actually who goes to America and meets January Jones at the bar. This song is dedicated to my January Jones. <laughs> Ain't nothing colder than Aardvark come. Don't say that on our podcast. We can say that on our podcast. Listen, look up the uh, Jake and Amir shorts where Hoodie Allen is in them. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. That was a time. It's, oh, well, it's one of the, like, can I get into Jake and Amir for a minute? I'm getting oh, into Jake no. and Amir for a minute. The thing about those sketches in particular are that, for once, Jake was the person who was in the wrong. You know, usually it's a mirror who's annoying the crap out of Jake and being like, being like unproductive and being like being problematic. Whereas in these sketches, it's Jake being like, do you really have to do your rap lessons? And then trying to prove that he can rap and just being awful at it. Relatable. 
Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, back to the tight 90. Tight 90. I mean, they really... It's a really self-contained, well-self-contained movie. Like You know what... <laughs> what do I know? What do I know? Every time you talk, it just makes you think of things I don't like. <laughs> what don't... What didn't you like about it? There's only three female characters. Oh my god, there are only three Yeah. Females. There's a fourth female character who literally exists to be lusted after and doesn't even speak a word on screen yeah i mean granted he's an old man so old man funeral probably more men but there would definitely be more females in the family mm-hmm. and statistically kind speaking of... <laughs> and a lot of the women their plots were driven around yeah. their relationships no i mean the two well, no, the they... two wives were or well the wife and the like i guess fiance or whatever like mm-hmm. i don't know if they were engaged or not but um yeah well, they seemed pretty strong. Like they weren't badly built characters, but th- he did set the wife up as nitpicky. Like, oh, we gotta move out of this file. Like, no shit. Like, you can't just live with your sets. Sets her up as almost like kind of naggy. A yeah, bit. it's like. But then, but then she like I don't know. I thought it took a nice turn later in the movie when she was like, no, I un- unconditionally support you and whatever you have to yeah, do to get this yeah, guy out of here. Yeah, no, none of the relationships were problematic. Like, yeah, neither of their relationships were. Mm-hmm. Like not inherently, and she didn't become like shrill and like demanding when he started like losing his shit because she knows she like did it to him. But like in another movie, she would probably like be like, "This is unbelievable! Like I can't Maybe believe." Maybe in an American movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Though this is that's to movie. say, I don't, I don't know that much about. I- I'm sure Britain is still plenty sexist. I don't know. We we won't. We won't talk about that. We don't know enough we rich don't, people. Yeah, we don't. I don't know any. Though we did go into an Indian restaurant where there. <gasps> oh my god! Luna. What was it? What? No. What? What did he say about the mango lassies? Oh, so funny. We need to get some mango lassies in us. I don't remember what it was, but, it was but he had, really he funny. had a daughter named Lula, and it was really Lula? cute. Lula. Lula. He was like, "Oh, Lula, you doing okay? Do you need a bit of a walk?" Aww. <laughs> That was a liminal space. There was a MIDI cover of Despacito playing. It was... I don't know what happened there. But it was some of the best they Indian They served food. me some very spicy chicken. It was some of the best Indian food I've had in a very long time. I will say that. Cool. Are you ready to rate? Or you got more... Sh- um, I mean... I just don't... You know, I feel like there's so much you could say, but a lot of it is just explaining the jokes... And the jokes, there there are too many jokes to cover. It almost feels like, and it's and it's like they they remain this constant through line throughout the movie. And like every time a joke hits again, it becomes funnier mm-hmm. and funnier. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just thinking about, I'm just thinking about the scene where uh, Andy Nyman Howard is talking to the priest to like keep him from walking into the room. He's like, <laughs> is it true that old Sundays wine tastes sweet. sweeter? <laughs> And him trying to get Victor to look at the patch of skin on his wrist. <laughs> he has a way of just knowing the worst thing to say at the worst possible times. Like his scene with Jane Asher is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> telling him her the, the grieving widow about his friend who got stabbed because he called another guy's mother a moose. <laughs> it's just some believable but ridiculous mm-hmm. dialogue in this yeah movie. i guess that's the thing is like all the dog dialogue's pretty organic like something you probably actually hear people say it wasn't it wasn't like heavily calculated the writing 
But also, it was playing it was, on yeah. somewhat real tensions too. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, it was it was interesting to me seeing the, um, you know, him not worried about his son at all while he's dealing drugs, whereas his his uh, Victor not worried about his son at all, whereas his daughter he's worried about her relationship, and not letting her make decisions. And then you know, there's the entire anxiety about David not paying his half of the funeral, and like it seemed like very real stuff that a family. Mm-hmm would be worried about. It's like this idea that, oh, death, even if it is this big formal thing that we have to deal with, it doesn't put a stop to the rest of life that's going on. Mm-hmm. We've still got to yep. deal with everything around that. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Life keeps going. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think that's kind of the thesis statement of yeah. this movie, is that life is going to happen and it's not going to stop for death. And I think that's kind of why that speech was very effective. It was like, you know, we're all trying the best that we can with what we have. And we just got to keep going. Like, absolutely funny, raunchy, but like, it's still... It's not really raunchy. Leave, uh, the shit. <laughs> I would call that raunchy. <laughs> it's fun. And like, honestly... It's a feel-good movie for me. It absolutely is a feel-good movie for me. In that it is a movie that I will watch to cheer myself up. Because oh. it's fun. Yeah. Rate a rate? Sure. Okay. Rating it out of caskets. <laughs> or open... Oh, wait, oh. Wrongly delivered bodies. <laughs> I give this... Four out of five wrongly delivered bodies. Wow. This is still one of my favorites. It's just absolutely so much fun. I think three out of five. Yeah. Oh, can't, I I can't believe we didn't mention this, (laughs) but um, watch Succession. If you want to see Matthew McFadden really sinking his teeth into a comedic role, watch Succession. We're going to start a spinoff podcast. Succession. Failure is what we're going to call. <laughs> we just watch all of Succession. Oh man, man, it's that is a show. Such a good show. Like, please watch it. It's serious dramedy, but at its heart, really, really hits the comedy home. You know, just the absurdity of it all. <sighs> okay, we are a member of the Pocket Podcast Network. Other shows include. Avocado Toast. Cool Tank. No Dice. What's your What's your other thing called? What's my other thing called? Catch Me If You Can. What's it called? Them's the Facts. Them's the Facts. <laughs> you listen to our recording every week. Not this time. I have no idea what you talked about this time. You heard some of it, at least. Oh, studying. Oh, you were there for the one where Gabe forgot that snakes had bones, Spoilers. right? Yeah, that was not. That wasn't the yeah. last time. <laughs> uh, no, because I, sh- in the middle of the recording, I showed everyone a picture of the bones that a snake has. <laughs> That's a really fun one. We have a lot of fun making it. You should just imagine me sitting there with them, and just imagine the faces that Bethany is pulling the whole time. I did. I did trick. Well, no, I'm not going to say because spoilers. Nope. Go listen spoilers. to them's the facts. So, yeah, listen to next week's episode of them's the facts. It's a fun one. Um, that comes out every other Wednesday. Um, anything else that we want to plug that we're working on? 
Oh, you got anything? Oh, I'm in a band called Dalai Lama. We have a video up on YouTube of us playing a live at WREK. So you, if you just search Dalai Lama live at Rec, then you'll definitely run into that. Um, we might have some shows coming down the hopper. So. Is that one word or two? Check that out. Dalai Lama. Oh, to be clear, it's spelled D-O-L-L-Y and then another word, L-L-A-M-A. Like Dolly Parton and the Ink and Beast of Burton. That's how I say it on stage. It's so lame, but it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. Um, who plays our theme song? Organ Machines. Yep, it is Oil Waves by the Organ Machines. You Catch them that. around the Atlanta music scene. Yes. They play shows and stuff. Actually, on the day that this podcast is coming out, they do have a show at, uh, I believe, 529. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, March 27th, and you're in Atlanta, go see the Organ Machines. It's going to be a lot of fun. They're playing Gold Room again, which is one of their best songs, so I'm very excited about that. Gold Room? Gold Room, the one that Password Password covers. Cool. Well, this has been... <laughs> oh, um, next week, uh-huh. we do have one more D movie. And we are very excited about it. I missed Cal- I forgot it about it, and I can't believe I forgot about it because it's one of our favorite movies to watch together. Is 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 that the cell phone? Yes, that's her cell phone. Miranda, please use office. <laughs> we're watching Devil Wears Prada, so definitely check that out. Hey. Also, we are going to do our best to go weekly, um, because I like watching movies with my wife every week, and I like recording a podcast with her every week. So. We're going to try and do that. But until then, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. Catch you later. Bye. Why do you say bye? It's weird. It's never how you knew it. Nobody looks at it that way but you. We all saw him drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your hands. Take it, I never saw the Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket. Hi, I'm Daniel, game master of the actual play podcast, No Dice. Join magic assholes, Ixen. There's a score between me and doors, and so far, doors are zero. Perry. They definitely have a lot of daggers happening. They're, they're hiding in various spaces. Sayersha. I always love getting stories from adventurers. I, I really wish I could just have, you know, one of my own. And a whole host of guest players. You can find No Dice on the first Friday of every month on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or PocketPodcastNetwork.com.